A Russian dominatrix, a slice of cheesecake, a dating profile, robbery, a murder charge, eyelashes, and good detective work is just some of what this week's episode is about. In 2016, an eyelash technician in New York eats a slice of cheesecake from a customer. She almost immediately feels sick and the next thing she knows, she is in the hospital and her home has been robbed. Her identification along with other valuables are missing. When police look into who this mysterious cheesecake gifting customer is, they see she is on an Interpol list and has a red notice on her name because she is wanted in Russia on a murder charge. Who is this woman? Where did she come from? What other crimes has she committed? And why is she doing what she's doing? Well, come hang out with me while I talk true crime. No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. This week's case, it reads like a Sydney Sheldon crime thriller novel. It is so unbelievable, but it's all true. You believe it all. It's all true. Let's start unpacking all of this because there is a lot. I'm going to start at what I believe is the tipping point of this case. And I'm going to work my way back because a lot happened even before this situation I'm about to talk about. August 28th, 2016, New York City. 35-year-old Olga Tisvike is at her queen's home in Forest Hill, relaxing, having a day off work from the salon. Olga, she works at her nearby salon as a beautician. Part of Olga's job is applying false lashes. I'm pretty sure everyone knows what, what false eyelashes are, but if not, they're fake eyelashes that are skillfully applied. I'm talking tedious work here. Um, they're skillfully applied, sometimes one little hair at a time. Uh, they look amazingly real, and you don't have to take them off every day at, or at night. Um, they stay on your, your eyelids and, until they basically fall off in like a month, and then you go back and you get them done again. Recently, a woman named Victoria had been coming into the salon and Olga, she had been her beautician. Olga thought Victoria was strange because it seemed like Victoria was desperate to become Olga's friend. Victoria would ask her to hang out after work. She would send her messages and Olga, she was declining these invitations. She didn't want to be Victoria's friend. Also, Olga found it strange that Victoria would travel quite a distance just to come to her salon to get lashes done. Olga couldn't figure out why Victoria wouldn't just go to a lash technician in, in Brooklyn, in the area where Victoria lived in, in New York City. New York City is massive. There are lash techs and salons all over the place. There is no need to travel long distances to find one. On August 28th, when Victoria was contacting Olga on her day off, uh, by contacting, I mean kind of uh, obsessing about having her lashes done and having Olga do them. She wanted a, a lash extension, she said. Uh, Olga, she wasn't keen. She didn't want to do this in her house. She wasn't at the salon. And she told Victoria, hey, it's my day off. Why don't you just go to the salon, have somebody else get, do your lashes? Victoria, she just, it seemed like she just would not take no for an answer. She was just very persistent. And she was saying, look, I'm happy to come to your house to have them done. I just really want them done. I really want you to do my lashes today. Victoria claimed it was an eyelash emergency and she needed to get them fixed before going on vacation or going out of town, wherever she was doing. And as much as the situation was strange to Olga, she ended up giving in and allowing Victoria to come to her home so she could do the lash work. When Victoria arrived, she gave Olga a gift. She had brought this cheesecake as a gift. There were three squares of cheesecake in a clear plastic container, the kind of container you would get from any bakery. 
And Victoria, she told Olga, this is very, very good cheesecake. This is the best cheesecake in the city. And I got it from a famous bakery and you must eat some. Victoria, she eats two out of the three pieces of cheesecake and she encourages Olga to eat the last piece. And Olga does. Olga took one bite of this cheesecake square and soon after she felt very very ill she was not feeling right at all she told Victoria she felt very sick and she was going to throw up and she needed to lay down and she was on her bed and she's about to throw up and and she blacks out Olga's next memory is Victoria shuffling around her room kind of looking around and she also has a memory of Victoria standing over with a bowl of chicken noodle soup Olga then blacked out again possibly because the soup was also laced with the same drugs as the cheesecake and Olga had she had ate some of the the soup in her confused state probably not understanding what's happening she's probably not thinking that she's being drugged by this woman who wanted her eyelashes done the next day Olga's neighbor who had seen Victoria going in and out of the home he wants to check on Olga he wants to see if she's okay and what that neighbor finds is scary the neighbor finds Olga on the brink of death laying in her bedroom with pills scattered everywhere like confetti Olga who was once wearing sweatpants and comfy clothes on her day off was now suddenly in a set of very sexy lingerie unconscious with pills strewn around her as if to make this look like a suicide. It is such a good thing the neighbor came to check on Olga because she wouldn't have lived much longer had she been left there. The heat had been cranked in their room and it was stifling hot. And that's really weird because it's summer. Nobody in New York City is using their heater in the summertime. This room was very, very hot. Someone had cranked the heat. Olga was brought to the hospital and thankfully she did survive. When Olga returned home, she realized she'd been robbed. Her money was gone, around $4,000 gone. Some valuables were gone and also her Ukrainian passport and her American employment card was gone. Why would anyone want that unless they were trying to steal her identity? Olga, she had a employment authentication card because she was not a U.S. citizen. Olga was Ukrainian. And Victoria, she's also not a U.S. citizen. She's from Russia. Did I mention, this is very important, that Olga and Victoria look a lot alike and they both speak Russian? Yes. That was believed to be the main motive for this. Victoria could 100% pass as Olga with her passport. But why would Victoria need a new identity? Maybe because she was trying to dodge a murder charge that was chasing her around from Russia. Or perhaps she wanted to stay in the U.S. under Olga's identification as Victoria's U.S. visa was running out. She was going to have to leave soon. When Olga got out of hospital on September 2nd, she realized she had been robbed. So this eyelash appointment, that was August 28th. She gets out of hospital September 2nd. And she was still very much groggy and messed up from whatever drugs she was slipped. And at first, detectives, they didn't really take her seriously because they think that she is a drug user like she purposefully does this to herself and maybe what she's saying isn't very authentic maybe it's it's not really real and this really infuriates me I listened to a 48 hour episode on this and the investigator actually says yeah I wanted to believe her but and then he kind of like goes off into, into some other stuff meaning basically he didn't believe her because he thought that she was 
you know, possibly a, a drug addict, a drug user, and that her story, it didn't add up to him. So he wasn't really believing her. He didn't believe that a woman would befriend her, become a client, find a way into her home using the excuse of an eyelash emergency, and then drug Olga with cheesecake to steal her ID valuables and cash. He wasn't buying this story. I don't know what he thought she was going to get out of making this story up, but he wasn't immediately on Olga's side. The officer was being really suspicious of the situation and of Olga, but he did listen to her and she was saying it was cheesecake and, you know, he's, he's looking around and he finds the plastic container that the cheesecake was in, in Olga's garbage and he has it tested for drugs. So he, he's not really believing her, but he is doing his job. He is looking into this. And the results come back that there was indeed drugs in that cheesecake container at one point. And this made the officer at least want to try to find Victoria to talk to her about this. But when it wasn't very convenient, when it wasn't very easy to find her, he just kind of gave up. For some reason, doctors didn't find anything when they tested Olga's blood in hospital. So... Whether they did not test for this drug or what, I don't know. But it is very clear that she was drugged. There were drugs in her system. And yet the hospital's like, no, we didn't find anything. But she's like, I was knocked out for days. I was on the brink of death. And you're telling me there was nothing in my system. How the hell did they not find any drugs in, in Olga's system. She was severely drugged. Sometimes I feel like blood tests aren't done very thoroughly. I feel like maybe sometimes they look for like three things that they think maybe might, you know, be the cause of something or whatever. And then they just call it a day. Like I, it's just, it doesn't seem very thorough to me. And clearly Olga was drugged almost to death. And the doctors are like, hmm, I don't know bye and then police almost do the same thing it's just oh okay so what was this drug they discovered in the cheesecake box though well this drug is a benzodiazepine it's one that is apparently made in russia called phenazepam and phenazepam it seems very very strong such a strong benzodiazepine and it's really easy to take too much i'm wondering if the heat was cranked in olga's room to perhaps because that's a strange thing to do so you know there must have been a purpose for doing that and i'm wondering if the heat would make the effects of the drug worse or make to dehydrate the person who has the drugs in their system who's passed out faster because they're not getting any liquids and it's hot and they're sweating i mean Again, the heat was clearly cranked up, cranked, cranked up, cranked up for a reason. And I believe it was to speed up Olga's death. Why, why else? And why dress her in lingerie? Why change her out of her sweatpants and, and put her in sexy lingerie to pose this suicide? The doctors, they said that had Olga been left in that room for another 40 minutes, she most likely would have had a heart attack and died. She was about 40 minutes away from death. Police now know that Olga was drugged because of the cheesecake box and Olga told them who gave her the cheesecake. So they know they are looking for Victoria. And yes, that's her real name. Victoria used her real name with Olga. So did she intend for Olga not to survive? Police, they do look around and again, they can't locate Victoria so they're like mm, well I don't know what to do so I'm just gonna stop looking I guess and when I heard that I was like they're not gonna use social media to locate her or you know maybe cell phone records maybe she has a cell phone registered in her name maybe she you know is there anything registered in her her name because it is looking like this woman has almost murdered Olga and then robbed her and was possibly trying to steal her ID. And police are like, well, we don't know where she is. I don't know. I don't know. We're just going to like sit here and not look. <laughs> okay. Isn't that your damn job though? <laughs> so whew. a few months later, 
Yes, a few months later. The detective on Olga's case, uh, the one who spoke to her the day she got out of the hospital who didn't believe her, he goes back and he speaks to the neighbor of Olga's. What prompted him to go back and start looking into this again? I have no idea. But the same neighbor who had discovered Olga almost dead had also seen Victoria coming and going and hanging around Olga's apartment when the drugging and robbery happened. The neighbor tells the investigator about seeing and even talking to Victoria. Victoria had told the neighbor, oh, Olga's not feeling well. I'm bringing her chicken noodle soup. And then after Victoria left, that's when the neighbor went to uh, go check on Olga and then found her in that that state so the detective hears this and now he's sure that Olga is telling the truth that that Olga's story is real and he starts looking for Victoria again and this time with a little more conviction he's getting more and more convinced that you know something extremely dodgy is happening here and there could be attempted murder involved and he needs to get to the bottom of this It is really sad that Olga wasn't believed at first. I hate to hear that. But the detective, he didn't just write her off. That first day, he did find that cheesecake container. He did go back and talk to the neighbor. Yeah, it took a few months for him to finally believe Olga, but at least he did now. And he also felt bad that he didn't believe her at first. So I don't know. He he eventually does a, a good job. Within those months, Olga... She was terrified Victoria would return and try to kill her. And Victoria, she was still free. She could be anywhere. So Olga has no idea where she is. Police, they had barely believed Olga at first, let alone located and charged Victoria with anything. But eventually, Olga, she goes back to work at her salon, probably terrified at work because maybe she's thinking that Victoria would turn up to get her lashes done or something. Luckily, Victoria never showed up at either the salon or Olga's home again, but something else did happen. One day at work, Olga was talking about her extremely traumatic drugging and and robbing situation. And one of the customers says, oh, The same thing happened to my husband's friend. Yeah. New York City has a population of almost 9 million people. What are the odds that Olga's client's husband's friend was drugged and robbed in the same way and that it's the same person? Well, I got to tell you, 9 million people, the odds aren't that, that great. But let me tell you, they were drugged by the same person. Now ask yourself, what are the odds there's only two? How many victims are there? The incident involving Olga's client's husband's friend. (laughs) Wow, okay. Olga's client's husband's friend. Yes, I got that right. Happened two months before Olga's drugging. A man on a Russian dating site, he stumbles across a profile. And this profile is the one of Victoria Nazarova. I did read she was going by Anna. So I'm not sure if her, if her name on, on this Russian dating site was Anna or if it was Victoria. I think she might've been using the alias Anna on this, this dating site on her profile. Her profile looks very good to this man. He's attracted to her and he also likes that she's written in her profile she likes to cook and they arrange a date at her house okay her house where she cooks the man fish and vegetables and she cooks this meal for him he sits down I think he said it when he originally got there he just thought they were gonna have sex um and then she's like no I've made fish and vegetables and she was rushing him to eat it and she was saying oh hurry up hurry up and eat or your fish will go cold and he's like okay well phenazepam is both odorless and tasteless as well as highly potent this drug is made to sedate quickly and it takes its job seriously it's unclear if that's what was in this man's fish but just one bite sent him into la la land for weeks this man is 48-year-old Ruben Brukov, and he ate that fish. Within 
minutes he was sick and then everything went blank for days and he was out of it for weeks while he was heavily drugged he was robbed his credit card incurred thousands of dollars in charges he did not do his watch was stolen eight hundred dollars of cash was stolen and i'm not even really sure what happened to him in those days that he was so drugged out of his mind because he doesn't even remember but we do know that two days after this dinner date reuben and victoria show up at reuben's dry cleaning business Ruben's employees and sister, they're there and they're thinking, what the hell has happened to Ruben? What's going on with Ruben? He is looking weird. And Victoria says, oh, we drank a lot of wine. And she even suggests to them that maybe he took a pill or she like says it to him like, oh, you took a pill. And Ruben, he's out of it. You can see the footage on the CBS News 48 hour and he looks so euphoric he looks calm sedated he's like a zombie actually and he is just blissfully going along with anything unaware of everything victoria takes a seat in reuben's chair at his desk it's like she's the new boss she comes in there she's like i'm boss victoria this is my chair now and at first i was thinking why the hell would victoria take Reuben take her victim there to his place of business where his employees are and in the condition that he's in and then I thought maybe she coaxed it out of him that he has cash on site there because Victoria she did go into the basement and according to Reuben she did steal a stash of cash he had down there then she left She just left. She was like, bye, and left Ruben in a a zombie-like state for his employees and and his sister to deal with. It was so unsettling. His condition, the way he was, it was so unsettling that Ruben's sister calls 911 because Ruben, I'm telling you, he looks like a rag doll. Like he's, he's just not coherent. He's not there. And an ambulance comes and he's carried away. There was also footage of Reuben in hospital trying to do simple things like keep his eyes open and feed himself, but he's just so drugged he can barely handle that. It would take weeks. That's right, weeks before Reuben came out of his zombie-like state. What the actual hell is this drug he had? Was it phenazepam as well? If so, how much did he have? Was he given multiple doses? How much of a dose would it take to fuck a grown man up for literally weeks? I just have so many questions about phenazepam. So many. Ruben doesn't remember anything about this experience. His memory is wiped clean one of his employees did take a video with their cell phone of victoria in the dry cleaners the the one that ruben owns sitting in ruben's chair and saying oh maybe he had a pill or oh maybe you had a pill like talking to him and you can tell that they tried to take this video without her knowing and i'm glad they did have this video because it's clearly her sitting there they have her voice on on this video and i'm glad they did this because it's very good evidence later i saw that reuben was not mad at at victoria he he said nah i'm not mad at her she's a good con woman she got me good (laughs) he says something along those lines that's not an exact quote but that's like the basically what he's saying and that's how he feels about the situation he's just like meh she almost killed me but she didn't and uh she did a good job uh being sneaky being and you know being a sneaky thief basically then i found these quotes that ruben gave to the new york post here here's a quote listen we all make mistakes i wish her good luck i forgive her because i'm alive everything else is up to god whatever people do sooner or later we pay unquote and i was like damn is that cryptic sounds kind of like a cryptic threat or something you know oh i'm not mad don't worry about it she'll get hers 
<laughs> like he sounds very like confident like strong there like mm, we'll see according to a private investigator victoria she may have done this to more men so let's just say she's allegedly done this to more men or it was thought that perhaps she's done this to more men because he discovered ads online that she had posted selling dominatrix services and it's believed by police she possibly drugged and robbed the people who bought her services but they never came forward to police the reason they wouldn't come forward is because they would have to explain how they met victoria and perhaps they're married or maybe they're embarrassed or maybe they would just rather not talk about the dominatrix that they had hired that uh, tied him up possibly you know I, I don't know what would have happened but it'd be really easy to tie somebody up maybe she drug him maybe she robbed him I don't know so people if it did happen nobody came forward to say this but there is good reason why they wouldn't come forward this is what the PI is thinking so according to an article again by the New York Post, Victoria was using different names for her, her dominatrix persona, such as Mara and Rachel. And Victoria, she was also quoted saying that she was giving men what they weren't getting at home. So by providing these services, she was just giving men what they weren't getting at home. And she also said, quote, we mutually satisfy each other's primal instincts, unquote. So I have heard people refer to Victoria as a sadist. So maybe that's what she means by that quote. Being a dominatrix allowed her to satisfy her sadistic needs. I don't know. Who is this private investigator that I was just talking about? Who's this private investigator searching for Victoria? Who hired this guy? What's he got to do with anything? Well, to answer that, we must go back to 2014, two years before the drugging and robbing of both Reuben and Olga. 2014, Nadia Ford's mother, 54-year-old Ala Alexinko, tells her daughter about a new friend she has made. Ala lives in Russia, and her daughter Nadia had moved to the U.S. where she studied, and then she had, had gotten married. I think she had been there about eight years at that time. But the two spoke on the phone every day. Nadia and Ala were very, very close, very close mother and daughter, speaking every single day to each other. And Nadia, she is learning about her, her mother's new best friend who has just moved in next door to Allah in, in their apartment complex. And she's thinking it's kind of strange. Her mother's new neighbor and best friend doesn't really have a lot in common with Allah. Allah's new best friend was Victoria Nazirova. One day, Nadia's mother says, oh, Nadia, my new best friend, Victoria, is planning to come to America, to New York, actually, to New York City, actually, actually. And since you live there, I have given her some gifts to bring to you. The gifts Allah was referring to is about $6,000 in cash and two fur coats. That's how much Allah was trusting Victoria. Allah and, and Nadia, they, they're not wealthy people by any means. Nadia remembers her mother working, you know, four or five jobs when she was a child just so she could support her daughter. And Allah, she was, she was working hard. She had saved her money. In fact, she had about, I think uh, Nadia said $40,000 was hidden behind some cupboard baseboards in Allah's home and that was her life savings. Time starts to pass in Victoria. She had not left for New York and Allah, she had already given Victoria the cash and the furs and yet she was still in Russia, had the cash, had the furs and Allah had told Nadia about the cash and the furs and also told her that she was getting kind of worried that maybe Victoria wouldn't go to America and wouldn't give her back her cash and the furs. So October 4th, Allah tells Nadia, okay, I've asked Victoria and she said she'll give back 
the goods, meaning the six grand and, and, the, and the fur jackets. After that, Nadia stopped hearing from her mother on October 5th of 2014, just the day after Allah says she's going to ask Victoria for the money and the furs back. On that day, on the 5th of October, Nadia obsessively calls her mother over and over and over and over again. She said about a hundred times with no answer. There is no way her mother could ever avoid a hundred calls from her daughter. Um, Nadia says her mother wouldn't even avoid one call from her. She always answered the phone. And Nadia, she's very suspicious that something terrible has happened to her mother. Nadia knows that Victoria spends a lot of time with her mother and lives right next door. So she gives her a call. And Victoria says, oh yeah, I had tea with your mother, but then I left and you know, she's all good. I think she actually left on a vacation with her friend and you know, her phone's probably dead. And Nadia's just not buying this. She keeps asking, what happened to my mother? What happened to my mother? Where's my mother? And still Victoria is saying nothing. Yet everything all at the same time. Nadia, she can somehow check her mother's cell phone records online so I'm not sure if this is a phone clone situation I don't think it was I think it was more like through her mother's uh, phone provider and she can see the last person to call her mother and the last person to call the last incoming call uh it came in at 11 o'clock at night and the person who called was none other than her mother's new best friend Victoria after that There was no outgoing calls, no calls ever answered, no calls never dialed on the phone after that. Nadia, she is like, get me to Russia. And she flies to Russia ASAP to check on her mother. That's right. She's like, um, my mother, she isn't answering her phone. This Victoria woman is acting really weird. Get me on a flight now. It's been three damn days and I just know something isn't right. So she heads off to Russia almost immediately. She's like, this isn't right. When she gets to Krasnodar, which is the town her mother lives in, she calls Victoria and she's like, hey, meet me outside your apartment, which is also Nadia's mother's apartment building. When Nadia sees Victoria come walking out of the apartment complex and comes walking down the stairs she walks over and gives her a hug so this hug was not a warm gesture so I'm not sure if this is a Russian thing but it's a pretty badass move Nadia she describes it as a way of saying tell me where my mother is or I'll strangle you to death that's what this hug is. So apparently she, I don't know if you like hug them around the neck and then you just squeeze really tight. That's a badass move. That is scary. So as she's giving this strangle hug, she is asking, where's my mother? Where's my mother? She's getting tighter and tighter and tighter around Victoria's neck. And Victoria, she gets out of this strangle hold hug and she starts to run inside the building saying your mother's alive she's alive your mother's alive and she's running away so obviously she was uh freaked out this was scaring her Nadia she follows Victoria inside the building along with the Russian police so Russian police had accompanied um Nadia there that day uh, while all this was happening all Nadia wanted was to see her mother safe and sound but unfortunately what she found was her mother's apartment totally spotless very clean and the apartment was totally emptied of all valuables including her mother's forty thousand dollars in life savings in that super secret spot Ella had recently sold her mother's home for around fifty three thousand dollars and that was gone and I have read a few different variations of what had gone missing from Ella's home but all sources, they do say large amounts of, of money, of cash, and valuables. The exact amount I could not pinpoint. It does kind of vary, um, but it does seem to be a, a lot of money. 
police, they question Victoria then and there. So in the apartment building, we got some questions for you. And she's like, what? I don't know. I had team, whatever she said. And nothing comes from it. So the police either they couldn't do anything or they weren't interested unless there was cold, hard facts and evidence a murder had happened. This left it up to Nadia to do her own digging and digging she did. She eventually, this is crazy, she, she, she's, yeah, she goes hard on this. She did really good. She eventually pays for traffic camera footage. She believes would have captured Victoria on the day that uh, her mother stopped answering calls. And she was right. During the 48-hour interview, the reporter asked her, like, how did you obtain this footage? And she says, it's Russia. You got money, you can buy things. <laughs> so that's how she got it. She just bought it from whoever monitors those highway traffic cameras. This leads to something big. This leads to... Uh, quite an intriguing piece of evidence on the 5th of October 2014 this highway camera captures a rented vehicle this vehicle police know was rented by Victoria Nazirova and the image it I wouldn't say it's clear but it, it it is clear that there is a woman in the passenger side seat slumped over as if unconscious and Nadia she believes this is her mother when Nadia discovered this, she calls police and she tells them, guess what I've got? And they say, yeah, we've got that too. And Nadia's like, what? Well, clearly you can see my mother in the passenger seat of that car. And police are like, all right, fine. Yeah, we do see that it was, the car was rented by Victoria. We do see it's on the day your mother went missing. And, um, okay, fine. Let's, uh, let's, let's ask her some questions. They don't tell, so they bring Victoria in and they don't tell her that they have this image. And Victoria, she tells police because they're like, hey, what's going on? You rented a vehicle. What's up? She's like, yeah, I was alone and I rented that vehicle. And then the police say, oh, really? You were alone? You were alone in that vehicle the entire time when you drove down this road or this, that or whatever? She's like, yeah, I was totally alone or whatever she says. And then police are like, oh, yeah? Boom. Slaps an image down on the table in front of her the image of that rented car Victoria driving in an unconscious person slumped over in the passenger seat doesn't really look like you're alone Victoria so uh, what she said to that I have no idea Victoria is then given a lie detector test and she is asked things like do you know where Allah is you know do you know where Allah's body is and Victoria no no I don't know she claims to know nothing about anything to do with with Allah's disappearance but Victoria she fails this lie detector big time big time absolutely bombs it but police they don't know that until after she's released this sounded fishy to me immediately I was like mm, I don't think so apparently it took them time to go over the test and determine whether or not she was lying and by the time police are like oh shit she lied about literally everything and they go to get her she's gone she's left the country Nadia actually gives a spicy explanation as to why Victoria was able to leave the country so quickly after being questioned by police and given that lie detector and she says that Victoria was having sexual relations with one of the police officers working the case and Nadia even says that that officer was fired because of this when when that was discovered so I don't know that's just what Nadia is saying I didn't I haven't, you know, I don't know much more about that than what Nadia is saying. Once it is clear to police that Nadia has fled the country, this is when Interpol puts a red notice on her name as she now has a warrant out for her on a murder charge. That's right. I'm not sure how her passport wasn't flagged when entering America, but she somehow eventually made it to America. Meanwhile, Poor Nadia. She spends half a year looking for her mother in Russia. Half a year waking up, looking, searching, looking, looking, following leads, looking some more, finding nothing. 
until April of 2015. Over 100 kilometers from the town Allah lived in, her remains are discovered burned in a wooded area. The town that these woods surround is the town Victoria grew up in. What are the odds of that? Seems like it would be an area Victoria knew pretty well. Seems like it would be an area she would be comfortable in. Ella, she was identified by Nadia. So it was very difficult, but eventually it was Ella's teeth um, that, you know, really told Nadia that it was her mother. She could identify her by her teeth. Nadia goes back to America and she's grieving. Obviously she's grieving. She's so sad. She loved her mother. They had such a good relationship. They talked every day, like loved her mother, loved her. And she starts doing some online stalking. You know, I could imagine she's really wanting to get justice. So she starts online stalking. She doesn't have much faith that um, Victoria is going to be go back to Russia and get caught by police. And sure enough, she discovers that Victoria has a Facebook page with her real name on it. And she's posting pictures. She's posting pictures on beaches in Mexico, having the time of her life in bikinis and cool sunglasses and sunning it up like nothing's wrong. And Victoria, she had even been using the Facebook check-in feature, which basically tells people exactly where you are. So after Mexico, after Mexico, Victoria entered into America. Nadia believes on a fake passport and under a fake name. I'm not so sure about any, any of those details, but that's what Nadia thinks. And what's more shocking is that Victoria is living in New York City, not far from Nadia. When I say not far, I mean only a few blocks away from her. What I don't know about, because it does make sense that Victoria would be using a fake name, fake identification, fake passport. But she does eventually, on her real name, she does get a, a, a visa for America. So I'm not really sure how all of the immigration stuff was handled because I'm pretty sure her passport would be flagged, having a red notice on it. These are just some details I, I couldn't really get to the bottom of. Nadia tells police and also immigration that this woman who is wanted for a murder charge in Russia for potentially, allegedly killing her mother is living in America and she has a red notice on her name. Police and immigration, they were like, well, we don't know where she is. So what do you want us to do about it? Okay. Nadia, she sees that they're not going to do anything and this is when she hires a private investigator named Herman Weisberg. Nadia she did not have a lot of money so the person who actually paid for Herman's services was a past client of his who is a who is wealthy and also uh, philanthropic. Apparently this past client could see how much Nadia was hurting and decided to fund the hunt for Nadia's mother's alleged murderer. What's crazy to me about this is that police, immigration, Interpol, this is their job. Why is somebody having to pay someone to do this? The private detective Herman, he started his search for Victoria using social media. I tell you, <laughs> private detectives, private eyes police, immigration, whatever, this is such a good tool for them, like Facebook, Instagram, whatever, if they're looking for somebody and that person is using their real name on social media, this is, this is a gold mine. It was a gold mine in this case, for sure. So the, the, the private eye, Herman Weisberg, searching Victoria's Facebook, it led him to a place in New York called Sheepheads Bay. This is where he believed Victoria was living through combing through her Facebook. He then studied 
Victoria's Facebook selfies. And um, she would wear these mirrored large sunglasses. (laughs) And from the reflection in her glasses, he discovered the type of vehicle she was in. And also details of the apartment she was living in because through these mirrored mirrored sunglasses like their reflection Herman does such a good job tracking down exactly where Victoria is and if you want an in-depth look at how exactly he did that then I encourage you to watch the 48 hour episode on this case called Red Notice for Murder or 48 Hours they also uh, released a podcast a few weeks ago and I believe it's called The Case of the Poison Cheesecake. And, and this private eye goes in depth of, of how he, he found Victoria. Basically, he can tell by the stitching on the headrest in the vehicle that Victoria took a selfie in. He figures out what kind of car that is. And he can also see the dashboard in the reflection of the sunglasses. So with those details, he can figure out... Uh, what make and model the car is it took some careful attention and and a bit of searching but he he found victoria in only two weeks once he knew the make and model of the vehicle and the area he ran plates from around there and there was one that matched the make and model of this the car that you know he's figured out that she was in and only one of them has like a russian sounding name to it and he figures out where that car is registered to like what address and he goes there and he's like oh shit look that manhole that pole that manhole whatever whatever these are all things that I've seen in the reflection of Victoria's mirrored sunglasses and the Russian sounding name it wasn't Victoria's it was Victoria's boyfriend so it was Victoria's boyfriend's car she was taking these selfies in around their apartment and I don't know it's just um he figures it out so Herman he goes there and he starts photographing who he believes is Victoria and then he compares the clothing to this woman he's photographing to the clothing on uh, Victoria's social media pictures and he matches a pair of shoes perfectly they were brown boots she just loved to wear these brown boots and she was walking around in them and he takes a picture he heads on over to Facebook and he's like there's those brown boots this is her those are her shoes I just saw her wearing so Herman he was absolutely convinced 110% he had the woman he was looking for and all of this is happening so Herman's sneaking around with his camera clicking these pics looking in cars doing all this stuff all of this is happening around the same time that the New York police are looking for Victoria because of the Olga because of the Olga case and Herman he discovers holy crap Victoria is wanted for this drugging and robbing and Victoria she is arrested from the apartment she was living in by the New York police on March 20th 2017 because the private investigator Herman he called them up and he was like hey you might be interested in where this woman is I think you might be looking for her he was paid by Nadia to find her because of the the Russian crime but then when he finds her he realizes he can turn Victoria into police for her American crimes first he had actually called Interpol and immigration and they couldn't care less again they wanted nothing to do with Victoria even though she has a red notice on her name issued by Interpol that it just really blew my mind that detail just blew my mind why wouldn't immigration and Interpol want to get Victoria I I have no idea when police arrested Victoria she was living with her boyfriend and eventually this guy even says that Victoria was allegedly stealing from him allegedly she had also killed his dog he had a beagle and allegedly on that beagle's birthday she drugged the dog possibly with finazepam and this must have gotten around the community because in in a 48 hours interview where they go around and and talk to people who lived in this apartment building and around it the one woman 
she they're like oh what about victoria they ask her something about victoria and she's like she killed his dog that bitch so this must have been known around the community after victoria is arrested police can now get a warrant to search her apartment or i guess i should say her her boyfriend's apartment that she lived she lived there and there they found Olga's gold ring and her identification documents, which directly ties Victoria to the drugging and robbing of Olga. February 15th, 2018, Victoria is charged with attempted murder in the second degree. To this charge, she pleads not guilty. It won't be until six years in custody later that the trial takes place in 2023. That's right, this year. The trial just took place this year. During the trial, the infamous cheesecake container is submitted as evidence. And guess what? It had Victoria's DNA on it. And it had traces of the sedative phenazepam inside. And it was discovered in the garbage bin at Olga's house. Slam dunk. The pills that were found scattered around Olga's unconscious body were also found to be phenazepam. That is some pretty compelling evidence if you ask me. And also the fact that Olga's gold ring and documents were found in Victoria's apartment. What more do you need? The prosecutor told the court, hey, look, Victoria's work visa was coming to an end. She needed to steal someone else's ID to stay in the country. And guess what? Olga and Victoria, they look a lot alike. Olga, you know, she had she had this documentation to stay in America and work. And Victoria wanted that. And although the Russian murder charge, it was not allowed to be brought up in court, Nadia Ford was still allowed to take the stand. She wasn't allowed to say anything about her mother's murder, but she was allowed to say that something serious happened in Russia and essentially Victoria was wanted uh, for it. The next piece of evidence I found particularly compelling, in 2017, I believe it was, Victoria was interviewed for a 48 Hours episode the one I have mentioned multiple times here, really, you should go watch it. It's it's really good. And, and the update is also very good. But during this original interview, the journalist asked Victoria, uh, and Victoria, she's sitting in this gray jumpsuit. She's in prison. And the journalist asks, he says, so a woman named Olga claims you fed her poison cheesecake. And Victoria's answer is played back in court six years later. And it is damning. In this interview, Victoria responded to that, quote, I did not force her to eat it, unquote. <laughs> what? That is crazy. That's basically admitting it, really. I didn't force her to eat it. It's like, hey, this woman says you, you made her eat poison cheesecake. I didn't make her. I didn't make her eat anything not oh it wasn't poison what poison cheesecake what are you talking about no no she's <laughs> she's claim her innocence is claiming she didn't force anyone to eat the poison cheesecake it's just absolutely crazy that gets played in court and not looking good for victoria this whole cheesecake situation it had me thinking with olga's situation she said that when Victoria arrived, she had three pieces of cheesecake and Victoria ate two. So does that mean that Victoria had marked the one that she had put the phenazepam in and she left two that had no phenazepam in it? So she could be like, yum, yuck, yum, yum, no drugs in this. And then I thought, what would have happened if she mixed those up and she drugged herself and then she was just out of it? And Olga would have been like, what the fuck? I don't know. It's just a pretty ballsy move to eat out of the same container of the food you've knowingly drugged. Crazy. On January 30th, 2023, Victoria Nazirova is found guilty of attempted murder in the second degree. She is sentenced to 21 years in prison, but because she has been in prison for the last six years awaiting trial, that counts as time served, which means she actually has a 15-year sentence left to serve in prison. 
Once Victoria is sentenced and she's being let out of the courtroom, she's acting so stoic. She's not being childish at all. Oh, no, sorry. That's wrong. (laughs) She is walking past the judge and she says, fuck you to the judge. (laughs) So she was obviously pretty mad she didn't get her way, I guess. Once Victoria has served the 15 years in prison uh, and she's released, she will then possibly be deported back to Russia. And then once in Russia, she may have to go back to trial for the murder charge of, of Allah, Nadia's mother. And if found guilty, she will be right back in prison again. But this time she'll be in her home country of, of Russia. A detail about this case that I found to be heartwarming. So I'm going to sprinkle in a little niceness, a little warmth right now. Was that Olga and Nadia, they become friends. They become really good friends. And I just love that they have each other to talk trash about Victoria too. (laughs) No, but really it is so nice that they became friends. They found each other in an absolutely tragic way, but a friendship was bonded there. And I just think that's really beautiful. As for Ruben's case, uh, the man who Victoria drugged with fish, I found an article published in June of 2019 and it read that Victoria pled guilty to one count of attempted petite larceny and she was sentenced to 90 days. But because she was already being held in custody, it was counted as time served. So really she just got away with the crimes she committed against Ruben. She didn't really, that was really nothing to her. And I managed to find another quote from Ruben. And to me, it doesn't really sound like he minds that Victoria got off easy because, uh, well, (laughs) let me just read a quote. Quote, I love her. She's a professional. She needs an Academy Award. (laughs) Unquote. (laughs) He actually says he loves her. I love her. I love her. He just loves her. But you know what? The people who... Victoria is incarcerated with they do not love her so I've heard many times that inmates involved in highly publicized cases seem to become a target in prison and this may be why Victoria was brutally beaten by four inmates uh, when in prison in 2018 this assault sounded fucking brutal the assault led to Victoria filing a five million dollar lawsuit against the city of New York Victoria claimed that the guard on duty did nothing to stop the women who attacked her and she was just beaten pretty brutally. She claims that the four women and herself were led into the shower area where there are no cameras by the guard on duty and there had just been an argument between Victoria and the other inmates about a television remote so that could have been what what prompted this beating But the women, they punched Victoria in the face. They slammed her head against the wall. They were screaming, kill this bitch. Uh, The inmates uh, dragged Victoria by her hair. They pulled her into another area and they stomped on her until she passed out. So it just sounded incredibly brutal. And apparently the guard just stood there doing nothing. Even as Victoria pleaded with the guard to use her mace and get the women off off of her to help her, um, the guard did nothing. So when all was said and done, Victoria was actually awarded $300,000 in her lawsuit against New York City. And it just makes me wonder, because I'm just thinking back to Nadia's quote about it's Russia, you have money, you buy things. So I'm just wondering, like, how much does it cost in Russia to make a murder charge go away? Just a thought. Just a thought. That wraps up this week's episode. I would like to thank the New York Post and CBS News for covering this extensively every step of the way. It seemed there was just mountains and mountains and mountains of of um, source material. I have linked it. Everything that I use, I've linked in my my show notes if you want to have a look over that or, or watch the, the 48 hours on it. It's, it's, re- it's really good. 
please find hell no a true crime podcast on instagram and tiktok at hell no underscore a true crime podcast also please follow and rate on whatever platform you are listening on really please 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 take a second go to spotify go to apple podcast and hit that five star rating button i would really love that and also the follow button then you'll get updated every time an episode is released if that's an option for you to victoria nazirova i say hell no thanks for listening and see you next week 